0: launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome, everybody, to Season 3, Episode 21 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Call Center Considerations, the top 10 questions to solve if you're going to scale your enterprise and build a true DSO. that centers around taking headcount out of the business, like we said before, and almost always that involves a call center. I'm gonna dig into the handful of questions that we've already started getting and we haven't even technically launched this stupid service yet. So tune in if you're thinking about the next phase of growth for your business, what you wanna think about as it relates to call centers. Gonna dig a little bit deeper in the coming weeks and I'm gonna get the boat off the dock today. Brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee, get your pad and pen ready. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desport. So thank you so much for joining me uh, and listening in on the show today. If you rewind the tape, um, a couple of, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two, I guess, I ought to know, but I'm not looking at it in any event. Uh, we had a, a special episode talking about the Building Your Enterprise Platform Conference we're hosting in Florida uh, this May, May 10th through 12th at, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I had a gentleman, Scott Benetti, on with me to talk about call centers, and Scott uh, is a global traveler and has built call centers for thirty to forty thousand employees. So there's not a whole lot he doesn't know about building and scaling a, a call center and how it supports a, a growing organization. Uh, that must have tipped, you know, the curiosity jar or something because we started getting a lot of uh, inquiries about it. Obviously, uh, we think that conference is going to sell out. I think they're uh, probably about somewhere between 50 and 60 uh, attendees at this point. We're gonna cap it at 100. So if you do wanna join us, um, please uh, go on our website um, there's a link to registration and everything. There's still seats, but uh, it, it will fill up and sell out. And Scott's presentation, I think, is going to come up second uh, in the morning on the, uh, on the first day. Uh, and he's going to go through the thought process and a lot of actionable tactics around how you build out a call center and how you transition it into a profit center. Uh, And that is the, the real holy grail of this. This is a conference that's oriented towards people who really do wanna grow and scale their organization uh, and and whether or not they intend to sell it uh, is an, is another question. but for those who really want to grow it and scale it, you're talking 10 to 20 to 30 locations uh, you're going to need to to find ways to create efficiencies and obviously taking headcount as one, t- headcount out of the business is one of those and a call center is conducive to doing that. So we've taken a ton of questions from y'all and this is a little bit of a new arena for me and i'm i'm only learning about this a day ahead of y'all essentially but um scott gave us a presentation at our uh, sales and planning strategy meeting a couple of weeks ago and it's this is really going to be cool to see so i'm going to share with you some of what uh, our audience has been asking us about on a one-on-one basis, as it relates to this new service, like I say, even though we haven't even technically launched it yet. So, first thing is, you know, the obvious question, right? So many of you in the audience are, are you know, one to five locations. You're just kind of getting started. That's kind of the emerging group phase um, of growth, uh, and what all too often stops people cold. Uh, in their growth strategy, at least, is they decide to stop at a handful of locations, say four or five, because they feel like if they're going to grow to 10, they need to centralize operations and potentially build a call center. Uh, and they don't know how to do any of that. Uh, and thus, they decide that you know, versus venturing out into the unknown, making a lot of mistakes and writing a bunch of checks uh, that, that go nowhere, they'll just stand pat at five locations, for example. Uh, And I get it. I mean, fear of the unknown is, uh, uh, you know, confronts all of us in building a business. It does us here at Polaris every bit as much as it does you. Um, But you're not talking about landing a man on the moon here. And while I think a call center specifically is uh, a challenging endeavor, especially trying to make it profitable. Um, it's not like this hasn't ever been done before. And I think that's one of the things that Scott's going to get across to all of you um that this isn't simple, but it's also not literally rocket science. And I think you know the 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 benefit comes for those who are looking to grow from, say, five to ten locations or more. Um, a location can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Are these six operatory practices or or is this, you know, a 10 to 12 op practice? Um, and you have five of them. Those are two significantly, significantly different businesses, uh, even though they both have five locations, just to use an example. But for most of our audience that's in the six to eight op sort of practice size and headcount size maybe more importantly i think you're you're really looking at um the merits of a call center somewhere uh broaching five locations on your way to ten uh, and, and with that comes full centralization. You've got, obviously already got a, a DSO legal structure and some type of a corporate a management company structure, but formalizing the leadership team, uh, building the call center, and, and really kind of dialing the business in for its next phase of growth in this aspect probably happens somewhere between about five to 10 locations. Um, Scott will talk more about that. Obviously his presentation in Florida. Uh, will I need a new phone? phone system? <laughs> um, most of the time, probably not. Uh, there are still some antiquated phone systems that can't scale beyond their current location and can't lift and shift a uh, uh, call. I mean, I, you're talking about phone systems as well as um, uh, practice management software, IT IS infrastructure. All of this kind of gets rolled together. And if you're going to build a call center and and have the ability for the call center to pick up overflow calls uh, or be able to see into uh, the scheduling application or the um, uh, accounts receivable or insurance processing piece and, and all of that. Most of the cloud-based softwares these days and most of the phone systems are truly scalable beyond what you're using. So I think for those of you who've got relatively current uh, businesses, the need for a new phone system uh, might not be as significant as as what you think. Um, Key performance indicators of, of a call center. Um, That's one, like, how do I judge success of this thing? Like, if I'm gonna do it, how do I know that I, I did it right, did it well, and that it was frankly worth the investment that I made in it? Uh, and that's a, that's a great question. Scott's gonna go into a lot of different operational and financial indicators uh, of success for, through centralization of call center. I, obviously there are a handful of them, right? I mean, you can monitor the phone system to see how many calls you're missing. Um, what your convert your uh, appoint- new patient appointment conversion rates are; those are the easy things on on inbound calls, and there are a lot more than that. But uh, you can start looking at um, uh, speed to cash and the ability to collect money, follow up on insurance receivables, and, and tighten down uh, the overall. Um, uh, the revenue cycle management of the business to create greater cash flows uh, out of your receivables. So I, I think on a collection standpoint, that's critical. And on a on a new patient conversion standpoint to make sure that your marketing dollars are being spent very well is uh, is key and that you're not losing any calls that when you have a spike in demand over the course of the day. Uh, there are ways to monitor all this. Again, Scott's going to go into a lot more KPIs as it relates to a call center, but that's, a, that's probably a pretty good, uh, um, uh, pretty good start, which sort of leads into the next question. How will um you know consolidating these types of operations save you money it does take an investment to get these things up and running uh, dialed in um and and fine tuned which is sort of an iterative process but ultimately you want to do it because it creates efficiencies in the business. And that ultimately means greater EBITDA margins. And you see this at an enterprise level with many of the DSOs that have this type of a, a backend infrastructure in place. And so the, the ability to save money um, uh, is measured off of some of the KPIs that I shared earlier. But ultimately, that's off of You know, gaining efficiencies through headcount reduction, not having to replace um, a retired or an employee who resigned at a practice level, Um, because you can do the work of those people uh, in a call center with fewer headcount additions. The other thing is, you know, you have the ability to train, to cross train them and train them. Um, to uh, fulfill a variety of functions um, where you don't need all of that headcount at a practice level. And I think this is the key that when we look at marginal profitability of businesses that are, say, five locations versus those that are 20 locations, everybody thinks that, well, of course, the 20 location business is more profitable because they can negotiate better supply costs from their distribution company. That is true at some level, but, but the real impact here is they don't need nearly as many people to run it. And, and that's the God's honest truth. And this is not unique to dentistry. That's that way for any type of uh, a growing business with some type of centralization aspects to it. Um, so what fun- if you're going to put people into a call center and, and really consolidate some headcount here. What are the functions that you're looking for to do it? This is one of the questions we get asked from like, okay, well, who all should I consider having be in my call center? Can I start small? Can I grow into it? How does it scale with me? And and the answer to that is, is yes, you c- it can be modular and adaptable as your growth strategy unfolds, but you know the the easy ones are going to be inbound calls uh, from existing patients, uh, whatever those um, inquiries may be—to to confirm an appointment, to move an appointment, to pay a bill, or something along those lines, or to ask about um, you know anything that just existing patient inquiry. Um, New patient inquiry for availability of uh, appointment times. Obviously, you want to have somebody who's uh, who's well trained on that and has a high uh, new patient conversion um, uh, ratio to them. I think that's critically important to making sure that your marketing pays off. Uh, and those are kind of the the front end functions. That's not the right word for it, but the the aspects around maintaining and growing the business. The the accounts receivable piece, um, the insurance verification and processing piece uh, is, is critically important. Uh, and their functions surely beyond uh, all of that, but Scott's going to dig into to a number of them. Those are enough to, to get you uh thinking in terms of who those people are in your current practices and what that might look like and what how you might want to phase it in, if you will. Um will we have to use um, a what's known as an IVR uh, interactive voice response uh, uh, system to facilitate this. That is the you know you call in somewhere and they say press one to speak to customer service, press two to to pay your bill, press three for this, press four for that. You know the the, the phone tree, if you will. That's called IVR interactive voice response. I didn't know what the heck that was either until I started working with Scott, and now I know a little bit about it. Um, Those systems uh, can be appropriate depending on how big the business is and how specialized you want your agents to become. That's different from them being cross-trained. But if you cross-train a lot and you just have like a a revolving uh, system where you know the next call that comes in bounces to somebody until they find an open line where it can be answered. you know, there are some efficiencies to be gained in terms of call routing with that press one, press two, press three thing, versus just a general hunt group that looks for an open line. And again, this may be something that you have to grow into. If you're smaller and you implement a call center, then you probably want people cross-trained in a variety of ways to be able to handle all incoming calls. Whereas if you're larger, you might wanna have those agents be more specialized. So Scott will talk a little bit about this kind of how those um, complicated phone systems can scale as your business scales. He's also going to talk about, you know where he sees some um, underperformance or shortcomings maybe uh, with those types of systems. Uh, how disruptive to my business will this be if I decide to undertake this? This is a biggie that I'm going to let him handle predominantly because he's got a lot of data and a lot of information on this it's not nearly as disruptive as what you might think. And what we see and what he's kind of educated us about is that smaller businesses like all of you, and I don't mean smaller disparagingly in any way, but this is this is different from a an insurance company that's gonna have a 10,000 person call center, right? So y'all are gonna do this in a progressive format if you decide to undertake it, meaning you're probably gonna have a call center set up in terms of structure only where all of the people working in the practices function as a call center, even though they're not in the same location on day one. But that allows different locations to cover call volume in different practices simultaneously if the IT and IS infrastructure will support it even though those people are going to the same practice they always have to go to work just as the way they always have. But the the functionality of it changes, even though the location doesn't. And then we start building a dedicated four-wall building that's a, a corporate office with a call center. And that is when we start choosing to hire into that four wall building versus replacing the people that either retire or resign or are terminated at a practice level and this is sort of that progressive shift over some period of time that allows you to to do it Uh, with hopefully less impact to your people, your patients, and your practices versus wanting to do it all at once. Those of you who are in a tighter geography may decide to do it all at once because the drive time for your employees is the same either way. And it can make a lot of sense to do that. So Scott's going to dig into... To some of this in terms of the process behind it. And I think when he does, you're going to start to see how all the dots connect and how this is a little bit like a, a progressive solution or a modular solution that you can implement without nearly the disruption that you probably were thinking when we first launched it. Uh, Like I say, I'm learning about a lot of this, too, and it's pretty doggone cool. So where would we locate the call center uh, in terms of both agents and in terms of the building? Obviously, you could locate it in Indonesia, if you want, where Scott spends a lot of time, or India, where he is this week, um, working in different call centers. Um, But most of the people in in our target audience are probably going to be doing it on their own in the cities in which they're located and that makes a heck of a lot of sense you don't have to do it these days i mean you can keep it in the same hemisphere but lower cost and do it literally sort of offshore in the same north america south america footprint time zones and otherwise or you can go completely remote about it but for those that look to essentially build out their own uh, call center and their own management company in their own building, probably going to be in the same contiguous city or geography where your practices are located. And then the agents that work in it, like I say, could be in the existing pra- uh, practices or they might migrate to that call center. And I think the the uh, functionality and the flexibility uh, with a lot of the um, uh, information technology, information systems, infrastructure can facilitate all of that, depending on what you want to, uh, depending on what you want to achieve. Essentially, um, these last two questions are really um, uh, insightful ones that we've gotten from people, and um, I think this is going to be a cool part of Scott's presentation um, because this was one that I identified early on when I was talking with him, uh, which is. How do we hire these people and how do we onboard and train them? <laughs> you know, that isn't that the the literally million dollar payoff question. So uh, Scott's gone through um, turning around underperforming call centers. So he's very um, adept at the operational and financial context of all this. But he's also very adept when it comes to, OK, if we're going to turn around a call an underperforming call center, probably means we're going to be hiring and firing right? So if we're going to hire agents, what do they need to look like and, and, and feel like and who are they and what's their level of experience in terms of what they've done before and all of those aspects? Uh, and, and when we do that, where do we find them? But also, how do we create an onboarding and a training program for them? This is totally new from the way that y'all have thought about building out your dental practices on a practice by practice basis. I assure you of that. We think about how you onboard a new assistant or hygienist or an associate or office manager or somebody like that. And it's fairly limited compared to onboarding and training call center agents. Totally different kettle of fish and a very different way of thinking about it. But this does go back to what you're going to be asking the agent to achieve? It, are they cross-trained? Are they a hybrid position where, hey, when the phone rings, you got to be ready to answer one of six different questions, or are they specialized? You are uh, in—you are being hired uh, for insurance uh, benefit verification. You are being hired for new patient inbound inquiry um, for uh, appointment availability. You know those are those are different. So the way we think about a scalable training program and an onboarding program uh, is is really quite a bit different, but if done correctly, much more effective and will yield the ROI that you're looking for. So those are the 10 questions that we narrowed down out of all of them that we've gotten either through email or phone call or text or anything else. How many locations do I need? Will I need a new phone system? What are the KPIs of a call center? Um, how is it going to save me money? What functions uh, can be consolidated? Will we have to use a press one, press two type of a phone system? Is there going to be disruption to all this? Where do we locate it? How do we hire agents and how do we onboard and train them? Those are the most popular 10 questions that we've gotten so far. And I'm giving you a taste of all of it uh, that he's going to go into much more depth and detail when we're together in Florida. I really hope you can join us. I know there are a lot of people out in the audience that are in that, you know, 1 to 5 location range and they're they kind of you know, they've set they've set their own limitations on the business that they can build because this is a huge stumbling block that nobody in the industry offers and that's why we were so um uh excited about the opportunity to offer this type of a service you're going to learn about a lot of that in a way that you never have before in the florida conference Um, like i say, we still have seats available and and i hope you're considering joining us um, but get moving pretty quickly because it will sell out be back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show thanks again for joining me on the podcast today i, I hope the uh, top 10 questions around call centers is uh is getting your your juices flowing so to speak and i think scott's presentation in florida is going to um do it much more justice than than i ever could um he is a a pros pro at this before we wrap up today's show though uh, i want to talk about two things uh one uh is uh, a, a, an announcement, a press release, um, that we're going to be sending out the first week of April. Not really sure. I think this podcast is going to drop the first week of April. So it ought to be timely for those of you reading the newswire or following us on social, you will have seen by this point, uh, that we are announcing a promotion at Polaris, uh, Kyle Webster, uh, who a number of, you know, he's one of our uh, associates. He works in the data and analytics team uh, and has been on board for about a year and a half with us. Um, phenomenal employee, great attitude, smart as a whip, and really does uh, accurate work on the on the DNA team. Uh, has been taken over more of the uh, sell side advisory work uh, for us, not just in terms of analytics, but also working directly with clients. And I'm excited to announce via podcast that we are going to be promoting him into a sell side advisory client facing role uh, on April 1st. And the reason that this is so cool for us uh, is that, you know, all of us out there building businesses, all of us who are entrepreneurs who who want to bring talent into your organization, you know, that that's a nonstop process. And man, I don't need to tell you, I hear this question all the time. It's so hard to source quality talent. Uh, and get the right people in the right seats. And we're not immune from that either. Any, every bit as much as you are, we we suffer from it and we struggle with it. And Kyle has been an unbelievable employee for us, and he's really thrived in that aso- senior associate seat. Uh, and as he transitions into uh, a client-facing role as a sell-side advisor, you know, DeWalker and I have a lot of pride that we're able to um, offer our first opportunity to promote from within. And I think that is really neat. Um, I don't want to say it's like being a father or something like that. It's a little bit melodramatic. But I will say that, you know, to see somebody that you picked uh, and brought into your organization, to see them flourish not only in their role, but have the ability to take on greater complexity and thrive in that is um, is really, really neat. Um, and that's hopefully not the last time that will happen in our our business. I'm confident that it won't be, um, but it's the first time that it's happened. And we're really proud of Kyle, grateful for his commitment to the business and really excited about what he's going to be doing to help our business move forward. And for those of you uh, contemplating a a sale of the business in the coming years, um, you'll probably have the opportunity to to work with him more closely in a capacity such as that. So, uh, kudos to Kyle. He wanted to share it over the uh, over the airwaves with all of you. The second thing I'd like to to note is that uh, I was in. Uh, Los Angeles last week. John Paul and I were. JP is our growth capital solutions specialist, who uh, many of you know from all the the banking movement as of late. Um, he's talked to so many of you about your existing uh, debt structure and and covenant structure and the lender that you're with, and trying to to find uh, uh, you know debt solutions to allow many of our clients to continue growing their business through some level of commitment. JP does a great job with that. He and I were out in LA. Um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I flew back Saturday at least, for the Patterson Dental uh, Regional DSO Summit. Um, and this was a, a one day event that the, um, I guess, California region of Patterson put on, um, the LA branch was the host and Jody Much, who's the, um, uh, uh, general manager there and Sarah Bidell, who's the, uh, regional DSO specialist, uh, Chris Altman, um, George Fitkowski, and a, and a lot of the others on the, the Patterson dental team really did an unbelievable job. This was, I mean, I get to attend a lot of these events, I get to speak at Number of them, I was I had the great fortune of presenting two different uh, presentations at their event, but they packed an unbelievable amount into one day. Uh, Brian Kaleo, Heidi Arnt, Michael Augens, uh, a handful of the AI companies. Um, so they really had. A lot of top tier speakers with really pointed subject matter, uh, and and had well over a hundred people. It's probably somewhere between 125 and 150 people in attendance, and I was super impressed. Um, they really dialed it in with the support of their manufacturer partners, and and really uh, turned out a great crew that was highly engaged. Um, asked really good questions. Um, and, and like I say, I got to to uh, do two presentations, at the, one at the beginning of the day and one to, to close the day. And I'm very grateful for the entire Patterson team um, for affording us that opportunity. Um, and I just wanted to, to kind of share my um, kudos with them because I really think they did a great job. They're This is the second annual regional DSO summit that they've done. And I know they'll do another one next year. And for those that are in the i don't know western half of the united states it's it's worth attending um they packed all of that into one day so it's pretty simple overnight for a lot of people in, in the you know uh pacific time zone at least uh and and really did a phenomenal job with it so kudos to them tip of the cap on a on a job well done uh and and i certainly hope that they ask us to be part of the next year's event for their third annual so Well, I hope you've all found uh, today's show to be somewhat educational, um, you know, and and informative, for lack of a better term. I really appreciate all the fanfare that we get from y'all whenever I do have the opportunity to attend events like that Patterson RDSO event. Um, You know, we get a lot of compliments on the podcast and our subject matter, and, you know, that makes me feel good, honestly. We do put a lot of work into this, and I'm, I'm glad that it resonates with so many of you and that you find value in it. And we'll keep doing it. (laughs) So um, I look forward to seeing you uh, at another conference sometime in the near future. I hope it'll be ours in May. I hope you continue to uh, consider joining us there uh, because I think it's going to be a great learning event on building your enterprise platform. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.